You're listening to the Pool Boy Podcast. Welcome back to the Pool Boy Podcast. Steve here, and this episode is a chat I have really been looking forward to. We'll get to that in just a second. But before we do, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to hit the follow button. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Oh, and do leave us a review too. We'd really appreciate it. But enough of that. Let's get into it. All right, my guest today on the Pool Boy podcast is someone who followers of British Swimming will know very well and who will, like me, I'm sure, have been uh, sad to see depart the international swimming scene. Molly Renshaw, welcome to the Pool Boy podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, as I said, you uh, you recently hung up your goggles and uh, and stepped away from from racing. Um, if we can and start there and sort of start at the end, if you like, um, reading your your retirement statement you put out on uh, on Instagram and wherever, it, it didn't sound like it was an easy decision to make. What what was it that finally kind of pushed you that way? Um, yeah, like it wasn't an easy decision at all, and I think I took a long, long time to think about it and. I always had this idea in the back of my head that after the Tokyo Olympics, if things went well, then that would be like my time to retire. You know, I wanted to leave the sport before I got pushed out of the sport by injury or like lack of funding or anything like that. So, yeah, it was something that was a really hard decision. It's a massive thing to always leave behind because it was a huge part of my life for so long. But um, I took the time and so I knew by, by the time I actually made the decision, I knew it was probably the right thing to do and I took a bit of time out over the summer um, to kind of find what I wanted to do next, kind of get my feet on the ground, where I wanted to live, just things like that. Um, And yeah, so it it was really tough. But I think ultimately I just knew that I'd had a long career in the sport. Um, I was really grateful for the things I'd got to do through swimming and the places I'd been, the people I'd met and everything I'd achieved was kind of everything ticked off my list, I guess, um, other than an Olympic medal. But I just didn't know if I could see myself carrying on another three years for another Olympic cycle to kind of go to Paris. So yeah, it was really tough, but I just thought I'm 26 and I I kind of just wanted to live my life a little bit normally. You know, I've been tied down by swimming for so long, made so many sacrifices. Um, I just got to the point where I was just ready to live a really normal life and just see what else was out there for me other than swimming. You talked about having thought about uh, ending after Tokyo and, and lots of people do finish their careers off the back of the Olympics, whatever whatever happens. But, you know, was the fact that there was um, you know, home Commonwealth Games nine months later a factor in maybe just delaying that decision and while you thought about it yeah definitely I think ending at home games is probably a lot of people's dreams so to have that opportunity it seemed like something I couldn't just miss out on and having kind of already the qualification for it I knew that 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 year would have been fairly simple to get through um just to get to the home games so yeah, it was definitely a factor, but also I think just because I didn't perform as well as I would have liked at Tokyo, part of me wanted to kind of redeem myself and see what else I had left in the tank. Um, because I think at the Olympics, it's probably the slowest I swam that season. So I was massively disappointed with how I swam there um, and just felt like I, I should have got so much more out that week than I did. So I think a big reason for carrying on was 
deciding whether I wanted to kind of redeem myself and give it one last go. Um, but yeah, ultimately I just got to a place with the sport where I wasn't enjoying it. Um, mentally and physically it was really challenging on me I was getting anxious going to the pool and I've, I've never had that feeling with swimming like it's always been a real escape for me so I kind of knew from that point that things weren't quite right and I wasn't willing to kind of push myself to injury or illness for the sake of a sport um I think I've dedicated more than enough time and enough <laughs> made enough sacrifice for the sport so yeah I think it was it was a sensible decision um it was obviously tough because I was still swimming best times and still performing at a top level. But I think I just knew I wanted to make that decision before it was kind of taken out of my hands. You mentioned the, the disappointment in Tokyo. Um, the no, It was a short cycle from, from Tokyo to Paris because of all the pandemic business and everything. But, yeah. but, that, but the opportunity to perhaps put that right wasn't, wasn't enough for you to, to keep that, you know, the passion going or the enthusiasm going evidently. No, I think I tried really hard to get back into it after Tokyo and not through any fault of like my team or my coaches or anything. Everyone was so amazing, so supporting, so accommodating to how I was kind of feeling at the time. Um, but I think I kind of just lost something within myself that I knew was probably going to be really hard to get back. I've been in similar positions where I've had so many knockbacks and tried to come back. So even from the age of like 14, not making the Olympics in 2012, it's just been like, setback after setback and I just think you know what well, I've done this for long enough um, I'm just ready to kind of excel and challenge myself in a new area of my life now um, and just yeah like I said just be a bit normal so yeah it was it was a really tough decision but I don't regret it at all now so um, I'm really glad that I did that. And uh, and as things played out your your last day as a swimmer in inverted commas was uh, was the last day of the Commonwealth Games mm-hmm. picked up a, a medal in the in the medley relay you know, that's got to have been a good way to, to bow out in front of a home crowd. We've heard from lots of people that the atmosphere in, in the Samuel uh, pool was was amazing. So a pretty good way to finish, I would have thought. Yeah, it was amazing. I don't think I could have asked for a, a better finish. Like the week, the week wasn't great at all. I didn't swim as well as I would like to finish fourth twice as well in the 100 and the 200. So missed out so close on kind of what could have been my final medals of my career. And I think... Sometimes I go to these competitions and especially at Worlds last year, I got to Budapest and I was kind of at the start of the week, I'm like, why am I thinking about leaving this? Like I'm traveling the world with like some of my best friends. Like I'm in a job where everyone wants what's best for me. Everyone wants me to be the best version of myself. I'm like, this isn't real life. Like you don't get this in the outside world. So I'd be kind of questioning why I want to leave this. But then by the end of the week, when things kind of hadn't gone the way I wanted, I'd be like, God, get me out of this sport. Like it was just <laughs> such a roller coaster of emotions throughout the year. Um, and I was the same at commies. Like I was really like grateful to be there. Like the, the England team were amazing. Like England teams always just seem that little bit more fun and relaxed. And so, yeah, I'm really grateful that I got to finish my journey there. But it was a frustrating week, but nice to kind of end it on a high with family and friends there. And like you said, like the atmosphere was amazing. Um, we don't really get that in swimming too often. So to be able to have that um, so close to home was amazing. I mean, you'd obviously been weighing this up for a little while um, before you, you finally, you know, made that decision. Had there been, you know, had you been thinking about where you were going to go next for a, for a period of time? You know, did you get um, much support from from elsewhere about, about that transition? I mean, I've spoken to to a lot of people about, you know, retirement or whatever you, and I'll, and I'll put a link in the, the show notes, people who want to listen to that. But, you know, it can be a really difficult 
you know period in, in people's lives yeah. so you know did you get lots of support for, for going through that or did you have to you know do it the hard way by yourself no I did have a lot of support um especially through British and we kind of we had a lifestyle advisor so Josh Rudd at the time um I kind of spoke to him maybe like a year before I even thought about retiring and I was like look I don't know when I'm going to retire but I know that I kind of need to start taking the steps of something in place that when I do because I do know so many people that have retired and kind of struggled with that transition and it's been really difficult for them um so I was kind of proactive in that but I also knew I kind of wanted to have like a decent break after swimming and not just rush straight into something. So I had lots of ideas in my head. Like at one point I was going to go traveling. At one point I was like, I'm moving to Australia. Um, Then I was like, I've always wanted to live in London. So I kind of, I did a bit of traveling over the summer. Um, Was still kind of like looking out for things to do, but obviously like applying for jobs and stuff was a little too early because I knew I wanted like until the end of the year to kind of get settled in where I wanted to be and make have time to make a decision so um so yeah I took time off over summer did a lot of traveling saw a lot of family friends spoke to like everyone about the decision just to try and get as many different opinions as I can um but yeah everyone was so supportive British women were great um we kind of received support as well after I'd announced my retirement for till the end of the year so yeah I just took a bit of time away from everything really I moved to London in October um and was kind of just like, I was applying for jobs and things, like seeing what else was out there, just networking, getting to know people. And yeah, eventually just fell into a job that I really enjoy. Um, and I think I've been quite lucky with my transition um, and working in a job that I love with people that are really nice and have a great kind of team environment, which has been, it's been a really easy transition for me, um, which I'm really, I do think I'm lucky in that sense. So yeah, no, it's been great and everyone's been really supportive from British men's, my family, to my friends and everyone. Can I ask what you're doing? Um, so I'm working for a digital marketing agency. Um, so it's not particularly what I saw myself doing, but it's something completely different and it's been nice to kind of learn something outside of this world, I guess. Yeah, something that doesn't need you to get up early in the morning so much, I guess. Yeah, not, I mean, my commutes in aren't aren't too early but yeah no it's nice the work from home days are nice (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're all enjoying those we're all enjoying those (laughs) I can tell you all right well let's um let's look back at some of your you know the high points of your career and I don't propose to go through everything because otherwise this podcast will be about two hours long but let's pick (laughs) up on some uh pick up on some highlights we go right back to the beginning when you when you burst onto the scene you know internationally at least uh in 2011 when you um I think people who followed the sport would have would have seen you, you know, in junior teams or whatever. But you you carved, I think, three seconds off off your PB in a day at trials in 2011 to to make the the world championship team and go to Shanghai as a as a young teenager. You know, what was that like? Yeah, they were the good old days of being an age group somewhere where you just drop seconds at a time that aren't really realistic anymore. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was crazy. Like I kind of I went from being this swimmer who made national finals um, I think I've been to a few British championships but I kind of just dropped so much time unexpectedly like I went there to qualify for European juniors like that was like, my ultimate goal um, and then obviously to drop that amount of time and make the senior team I was a bit like whoa like this is all quite serious now um, but I loved it like I remember that summer I think I was away for about six or seven weeks because 
I went away to Belgrade for the European juniors and then literally flew home, stayed in Heathrow for the night and then went to Shanghai for the World Championships. So it was pretty crazy. I think I was 15 at the time. So looking back, like I think it definitely helped my career, like the longevity of my career, because I think it made me mature and kind of grow up really quickly and understand what it takes to be at the top level of the sport. You know, being on teams with people like Liam Tancock, Rebecca Adlington, um, Joe Jackson, people like that. It was like I was on a team with like my idols and it was just such like an eye opening experience. And yeah, I think it definitely shaped the athlete that I eventually um, became in my senior career. That was the that was the first team where we saw Siobhan Marie O'Connor as well, who was a similar age to you, I think. So did that help that she was making her 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 debut at the same time and, and a similar age to you? Yeah, massively. I think us two kind of went through the journey together and we were quite lucky that we had quite a long career in the sport. And from that uh, year, pretty much every year we were on teams together. We'd been roomies ever since that day. And like we it's just like such a great friendship was made there that it just made the whole process a lot less daunting um and yeah we were lucky like I said that we kind of grew through the sports together and she obviously went on to achieve amazing things which is so nice to see um and now she actually lives like 10 minutes up the road which is really nice so we're back <laughs> together again <laughs> excellent I mean after that you've already mentioned the the kind of um, drama in 2012 with the Olympics there um but having gone to Shanghai um, and had that the taste of it did that kind of build the pressure on you thinking you know I've got a home games a year away I perhaps wasn't expecting to be on the international team and now this is a real possibility I could swim in London yeah definitely I think obviously as a teenager swimming my ultimate dream was to make the Olympics one day but I probably never imagined that it would have been London 2012 I think my eyes were always set on the 2016 Olympics but yeah, when I kind of made that drop and I qualified for um, the World Championships and I knew that the Olympic qualifying time wasn't far off of that, um, it definitely became a lot more realistic and quite exciting. And I think it kind of like drove something within me to kind of get back in and have this urge to compete at a home games. And I probably didn't at the time understand how important like a home games was and how much of a difference that would make like competing there. But yeah, I think it definitely all of a sudden became so much more realistic overnight and it almost took something for me that was like a hobby that I enjoyed just going and seeing my friends and we trained we trained hard but it wasn't anything I ever took that seriously um to then the point where I'm getting funding and getting support from British swimming whether that's physio nutritionist like it all just became quite serious overnight really um but I loved it like I think that the start of my journey kind of really started there and I saw kind of what we could achieve through swimming and how special it could be. So yeah, I think it definitely, it was a massive shock, but um, yeah, it definitely drove something within me to kind of push myself to make that Olympic team. Uh, obviously, you know, people will remember that you found perhaps the only loophole in the selection policy <laughs> and didn't get the opportunity to, to swim in London, but did that, did that kind of knock you back at all or did it read, no, spur you on to kind of make sure you didn't have that problem you know four years hence I think initially afterwards I took a massive knock um as a 15 16 year old it's quite a I was almost dangled this carrot in front of me and then it was taken away in June and then there was a whole appeal process that we decided to go through and I think as a 15 year old it's a pretty traumatic experience to have to go through when especially it was just like a hobby I enjoyed um and I loved because my friends were there and it was just good fun so 
I think I thought, God, like this is a lot for a teenager to take on. And I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. It was, um, it was a horrible period of my life. And I think for a year after that, I did struggle. Um, I stayed at DaVinci Excel with Andy Manley and I just kind of hit a plateau. Like I still, I went to European juniors and I think I've won the 200 breaststroke and I went to world juniors. I think I picked up a male there, but like it, I just was, I just didn't have that like desire or the passion to be there. And I wasn't swimming best times. I was kind of swimming a couple of seconds off. So I think I sat down with Andy and he was so kind of reasonable about it. And like looking back, like it's, I'm so grateful that he was so open-minded about things. He was like, I think you're ready for a change. Um, and so this is when I started kind of training a couple of days a week with Loughborough um, under Kev Renshaw. And like once I made the move there, I think being just going from an age group program where I was the oldest swimmer, I was kind of in a bit of a rut to then being the one of the youngest in a national centre among all these amazing swimmers like Roberto Favoni, Dan Fogg, Liam Tancock, everyone. Um, that was like kind of the change I needed. So yeah, I'm really grateful that Andy kind of pushed me to do that and was almost like willing to let me go. Because I think if I hadn't, I could have easily ended my swimming career there. Um, but that move definitely kind of reignited something within me. And I was like, this is it. This is what senior swimming's about. This is what I need to do to get back to that level. So, yeah, I, I moved there um, at the end of 2013. And literally every time I swam, I was PBing and I kind of like fell back in love with the sport again. So, yeah, I think if it wasn't for that move, I probably would have quit swimming a lot earlier, which is quite crazy looking back at like where I've been now. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely did struggle, but I think having that change of environment, change of scenery, just like reignited something in me. You mentioned you mentioned plateauing there, and that was something I wanted to ask you about because in your career you have had you know some periods where you haven't done best times, you know, several years yeah. in, in some places, mm-hmm. um, which can obviously be really, really difficult. But how did you manage that? You know, and, and what advice do you have for other people who are facing those periods where you're not swimming best times? You're swimming well, but not swimming your, you know, your lifetime bests. I think it, it just gets so frustrating because you know that day in, day out, you're giving it your best. You're hitting PBs in the gym. You're, hit, you're hitting all your nutrition goals. You're at your perfect race, race weight and sometimes it just takes something to be off on the day where all your Dave used to say like if all your stars aren't aligned on the day you're not going to get the perfect race no matter kind of if you've done everything you can so it is really frustrating and I think especially with swimming because how many hours we put in and the gym and nutrition it is a whole lifestyle it's not just a couple of hours a day it's everything changes to adapt to that um so yeah I think my main message would just be keep up the consistency. It's really tough, but if you're going to have longevity in the sport, you've kind of got to stick at it and kind of find them 1% where you can improve. Um, Because I definitely thought after after Rio, I definitely thought I'd kind of hit my maximum and I was never going to PB again. I was like, I'm getting too old for this. Why would I start PBing at 25? And I remember having that conversation with Dave and he was like, what are you on about? He was like, you've got so much we can still work on. So like once we broke it down, I was like, okay, this is a focus, this is a focus. And I just really like drew into them every single day. Um, and then come 2021, um, I actually ended up dropping about three seconds off my best time. So it just proves that I think a lot of the time it's a mental challenge in your head and you think that 
I definitely thought I was past it and I was like, God, I'm just clinging on with a fingernail here. So I think you can surprise yourself. It's just about being consistent and putting the hard work in. But but for you personally, I mean, as you say, you, you set personal best in everything, I think, in, in 21, um, pretty much. Yeah. Um, was it was it just about finding well let's work on you know, I don't know breakouts or or streamlining or timing front end of the stroke or whatever it might have been was it just right we'll focus on that bit and that will give us a little bit and just putting all those all those things together yeah I think it was a combination of things um I think like you said finding the one percent within things so we did my stroke's always been quite long and technical and um usually kind of like the harder I try the slower I go so it was kind of figuring out how to make the most out of my 100 because I'd always struggled with kind of that speed. Um, so it was kind of figuring out that maybe if I don't try as hard, I will go faster and just kind of experimenting with my stroke, making it a lot more streamlined. Um, and I, like the big focus of my stroke was kind of get every single thing out of each stroke. So I think I used to do between 56 to 60 strokes in my 200 breaststroke. And Dave's message was always like, make every stroke as good as it can be. So hitting that streamline, not creating too much drag and things like that. Um, but also I just think after lockdown and kind of having the sport taken away from us, when everyone came back to training in Loughborough, it was just a completely different environment. Like Everyone was just so ready to get going again. We were so bored of like home workouts in the garage and oh, <laughs> it was horrific. So I think having that kind of taken away from us just made us so grateful for the sport so when we came back as a team like we were all just so driven to get going again and we just kept building momentum and building momentum and I think that season like Loughborough just absolutely smashed it every time we raised people was from the best times and it was just a great program to be part of because I think we're all doing so well and we're all training so well and it's like once you get to that high and you just keep riding that high it just makes it so much easier so I think definitely a combination of things, whether that's the team around us or kind of having it taken away or finding the little things within technical points or the stroke or um, nutrition and things like that. Just everything kind of added up together and that's how I kind of got the final big drop. Well, it obviously worked for you, so that's uh, so that's really great. But if we jump back a bit to um, to 2016, you did get your Olympic call up in, in 2016 and uh, I think I saw you at the, the Europeans and you weren't, you even though you'd got the, the nod by that point but you I think you'd said you had a, a bit of a nervous weight you know and you wouldn't believe it was real but that was a big relief I guess to get to get that no that call up yeah definitely um I think it seems to be like every Olympic year I just kind of dreaded because I feel like especially in breaststroke every year there seems to be like a pop out summer who just dropped loads of time and I know I was probably that summer back in 2011 but I was just kind of always on my toes and things. And I, that year, Chloe dropped a lot of time and beat me at trials. So I was like, oh, I'm in a similar position to 2012 where I'm finishing second and still within the qualifying time. I still saw my PB, but I just walked away from that week like so deflated and exhausted by the sport. So I was like, I just, I just want to be at a point where I was just guaranteed on the team. I just wanted to hit that qualifying time and win. And I just felt like it was constant, like not back after not back. Um, so even though I swam best times, I was just like, <laughs> but yeah, obviously I then got the caller, which I was over the moon about um, and went to Europeans and I swam faster at Europeans again. Um, so yeah, I think having that pressure just taken off me just allowed me to kind of just enjoy the sport again and just start swimming fast and get ready for, to, um, get ready for Rio. 
And I think you went to Rio and swam another best time. So, you know, that must have been yeah. very rewarding. You know, I mean, you may not have got the result on the, on the, you know, placings that you wanted, but, you know, you came away from those Olympics with the best time and, you know, a place in the final and everything. So, you know, how, how did you rate that? Yeah, it was, I still look back and that's definitely my favorite probably swimming experience that I've been a part of. Like Rio was just really special to me. Um, I was lucky to kind of have my family there and my friends came to watch. So obviously that was so different to Tokyo. Um, but yeah, it was just an amazing experience. And I swam really well in the heat. It's got a really good lane for the semifinals. And the semifinals are then broke the British record. And I think I was going into the final ranks second or third. Um, and I just thought by that point, like, I was like, I'm just, I just need to enjoy this experience. I was like, why am I putting so much pressure on myself? Like my goal at the start of the year was just to be in Olympic Games. And now I'm here in an Olympic final. I just need to do what I've just done the day before and just see what outcome that gives me. I was like, if I can do my best, I can't control what other people are doing. So that was my aim. I was like, I used to be quite nervous and quite shy around racing. And that Olympic final was the first time I kind of walked out with like my shoulders back, my chin up and I like waved to the crowd. And I actually spot my parents in the crowd. And that's probably like one of like my top three special memories in my life. Like seeing them just before I raced in the Olympic final was just really special to be able to share that with them. Um, and I did end up going a little bit slower in the final. I finished fifth, which is really annoying now. But <laughs> um, yeah, looking back, like I just learned so much that week. And it was just like, even though it's been on teams for like five years before that, I think your first Olympics is just such an eye-opening experience. And I was just so grateful to be on such an amazing team. It was so successful. I saw my best friend Siobhan win Olympic medals. So it was just, it was an emotional roller coaster, like every single meet is, I guess. But um, yeah, it's it's still really treasured to me that week. Is. And you went, you went not quite straight from there, but you went from there to the to the world short course championships in Canada later that year and, and won the world title. So, you know, how did, how did that compare, I suppose? Yeah, this is the funny thing about sport. Like, I feel like it's like setback, high, setback, high. Like, it's for me, it's never just been like at a constant level. Um, but I think that's maybe what's been the longevity because I've either been frustrated and I want to be better or I'm doing well and I'm really enjoying it. Um, but yeah, I went to Canada and I was quite shocked at how well I swam, if I'm completely honest. I took quite a big break after Rio. I got quite ill. I lost a lot of weight. And so I kind of was like, it was a slow process getting back into training, like gradually building up. So I kind of just went there to just fall back in love with the sport and enjoy racing again, go somewhere new. I'd never been to Canada. So Dave was just like, just go there, see what happens. Um, yeah, I ended up swimming really, really well and obviously winning. And I think that was a nice little confidence boost to kind of get me going again into the next season. Well, you, you obviously came off that and we, we've touched on Tokyo um a little bit already which you know jumping forward another another five years as it was you know that was a long cycle in you were swimming mm -hmm. so well in the beginning of that year and you've already said that, that Tokyo perhaps didn't go completely to plan have you have you kind of come to terms with that now or um is it still some frustration I uh, there is still some frustration there um I don't know why because I can't do anything about it now <laughs> um but yeah I think I was just so frustrated with the fact that I'd swam so well all year. I was loving swimming, like so grateful to be part of like such a successful team going into it. We knew like how well we could do and how many medals we could walk away with. And 
I was really hoping to be one of them people to kind of add to that medal tally. Um, and I knew it wouldn't take a massive drop from my PB. Like I knew if I was there or thereabouts, which I'd pretty much been all season, um, even at Europeans, that's when I'm just off my best time, like unrested. So I knew that it wasn't a massive ask for me. I just needed everything to work out on the day. Um, and unfortunately it didn't. Like Dave said, if all your stars aren't aligned on the day, it's, it is unfortunately a sport where you can add time quite easily, especially on breaststroke with it being such an inefficient stroke. But you know what, like looking back, I did everything I possibly could have in the lead up to that. You know, my training was the best I'd ever done. I was PB and all year round. My body composition was the lowest it's ever been. Um, so, yeah, I think my lead up and my taper and everything was perfect. And I still don't quite know what went wrong that week. Um, and to be honest, I don't know if it's worth exploring anymore. Um, I've kind of put it behind me. But yeah, obviously I'm disappointed. I think I think if I was gonna win Olympic medal that that week was my chance. So I am I am frustrated that it didn't happen, but equally it's it's done and there's there's nothing I can do and there's there's a lot more to life than swimming and I think I've always said that all along, you know, swimming's a massive part of my life, but it's not the be all and end all. It's not gonna it has shaped who I am, but it doesn't kind of define who I am. So yeah, it was, it was a tough week and it took me kind of a long time to get over it, but it's, it's sport at the end of the day. It's someone's got to come top three and unfortunately it wasn't me. So yeah. Yeah, It is, uh, can be, can be tough sport as you say, definitely. Um, Something I wanted to to ask you about, obviously you went to, um, went to Rio and had uh, Abby Woods swimming the 200 breaststroke with you. Uh, Chloe, you've already mentioned in Chloe Tutton in 2016, 2012, obviously Stacey Tad, and then we had Sophie yeah. Taylor in between. You've always had someone else, it seems domestically kind of pushing you on or, or, yeah. or, or, you know, challenging you. Is that, is that a help? Um, it is. And it's also a little frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it is good. I think it's always good to kind of have strong talent within Britain. Um, I've been quite grateful that it maybe has always been consistent over the years, but I've kind of had, always had someone breaking through and pushing me and keeping me on my toes. So, yeah, it's been nice to kind of have someone to chase. I've never really felt like I could have just made it easy onto a team, and especially being that person in 2011 where I just burst onto the scene and dropped a lot of time. Like I was always kind of wary, and Dave would always kind of point people out before trials. He's like, keep an eye on them. And a lot of the time he was right. Um so yeah, no, I think it's a good thing. And it's nice to kind of see like the depth we've had in British swimming and breaststroke. You know, we've had people winning Commonwealth European medals in breaststroke for many years now. So yeah, I'm just grateful that I've kind of had that push along the way. And that's probably what's kind of kept me on teams and swimming the best times, I guess. Uh, and one other thing I just wanted to ask you briefly, I mean, towards the end of your career, like everybody else, you, you were not like everybody else, like many people, you, you kind of uh, joined up with the ISL and you had the opportunity to swim with the, with the breakers. Now that, that looked like a team that was uh, having a lot of fun. Is that a fair, I mean, take it seriously <laughs> as well, but, but, you know, looking like it was a lot of fun to be on. Is that a fair, fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we knew we weren't the best team and it, yeah, it was just really good fun. Like I think luckily they were they were placed in the year where we could go away for a big block of time, whether that was, we went to Budapest and were stuck on an island for six weeks. Um, and to be honest, like it was just a great chance to actually get some racing. It was during COVID. We wouldn't have been racing at home. Um, we were able to train with other people from around the world. So I was on a team with Emily Esc- Escobedo. Um, 
so I think, yeah, it, it was really good fun, um, but it also gave us just a really good chance to kind of race and compete against people so regularly that we wouldn't have access to normally. Um, so I think, yeah, the idea was really good. Um, we were we were one of the not so good teams, so there was a little less pressure and it just kind of made race day a bit more fun. It almost felt like we were back racing like arena league or something like that. Um, but equally, like the race practice was was great, and I think that's what helped us going into the um, the long course season. Having so much race practice, I think I really benefited from that personally. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really I'm really glad I was on that team. It kind of made the balance a lot better for that time of year. I think taking things too seriously from September to December can sometimes drag out the year. And really, I think come trials, you're struggling with motivation if you've kind of sapped it all up in the short course season. So. I think, yeah, it was a great balance and really good race exposure too. Well, uh, I think, I think I've taken enough of your time, but before I, before I let you go, I've just got a few sort of quick questions, which uh, to put to you just to get your, you know, immediate responses. So uh, don't think about them. I just want to know, know what you think on these ones. And I think the first one, I think you may already have told us, but uh, not necessarily in terms of results, but your, the favorite meet you've ever been to. Oh, I'm going to say two. Which is probably not what you're after, but it's fine. either Rio 2016, just because it was special having my parents there, or in terms of like team environment and the whole event as a whole, probably Gold Coast Commies. It was just so much fun. I swam well, we raced outdoors, Australian crowds are always amazing. Um, and then we had a week afterwards as well to like explore Australia, and I just love it there. So that one's always quite a special one as well to me. I'll let you away with two. I think that's fair. <laughs> All right, your your proudest moment from your career, the thing you look back on most fondly? Probably that moment walking out to my Olympic final, um, seeing my family in the crowd. Because um, I think that was the first time I fully kind of embraced the moment and enjoyed swimming. And it's just nice to kind of share that with them because they sacrificed so much for me to be there. Your favourite training set? Oh. <laughs> um wasn't really a favorite i didn't enjoy it at the time but <laughs> most beneficial we used to um it's either the phelps or the lochte set but we'd essentially do like 850s 650s 450s 250s um one on one off and like decrease in the rest and we'd do so many rounds of it and we'd do it every week to the point where it was nice to kind of see yourself improving week on week but if you had a bad week god it was a horrible set <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh what's the thing about swimming that you're missing the most I think the people and the team, um, like I touched on earlier, like it's a really rare situation to be in where everyone around you wants what's best for you. And I got massages every week. I actually really miss that. <laughs> but yeah, just people like supporting you, wanting you to be the best version of yourself. Like it's not real life. Um, it's quite like a nice little bubble to be in. So yeah, the staff and the swimmers that I used to, used to love them. And, uh, and the, the flip side of that, what's the thing that you're happiest that you don't have to do anymore? And it, you know, not that set. I hope. <laughs> um, I'm just glad I can go to the pub on a Thursday night and not be told off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's uh, I think that's a good <laughs> a good uh, a good benefit of uh, of being a swammer, I suppose. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Molly, uh, thanks ever so much for uh, for taking the time to talk to me. I've really enjoyed kind of going back over your your highs and lows well more highs than lows obviously but uh say congratulations on, uh, on a great career and uh, wish you all the best for the future thank you very much it's been nice to go over and remind myself of kind of what journey i've been on loved hearing from molly so a huge thank you to her for sharing her recollections 
That's it for this episode. If you want to get in touch, you can find me on Twitter at Poolboy or at Poolboy UK on Instagram and Facebook, or go to poolboy.co.uk forward slash contact if you want to send an email. And don't forget to check out the Poolboy store at poolboy.co.uk forward slash store. Until next time, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Poolboy podcast. For more episodes, visit www.poolboy.co.uk slash podcast.